This is a special episode of Media Majors because it is the last. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've, we, we, do you realize that we've done this for three years? Yep. That is a good amount of time to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, um, it was a solid run. Yeah, I agree. We picked up two Academy Awards <laughs> for Best Supporting Actress, which is weird. Uh, Just too many Emmys, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I think they'd stop the rewarding Emmys, you at some point. I, I didn't even go. Uh, we won a Peabody and Mr. Sherman DVD, uh, which was pretty cool. Man, that joke was for me, I guess. Uh, a and Hugo I, Award for Best Sci-Fi. Yeah. And um, a Hugo Award for the Best Martin Scorsese Movie, Hugo. <laughs> and I had a he baby. He wins it every year, except one when we did. And Tom had a baby. Yeah, I had a little baby. Uh, I named it Gerald. Yeah, Gerald doesn't um, look great in your uh, trophy case, though. No. Let me tell you. All babies, all babies are fat by default, but this is a particularly chubby baby, which is ideal for me. Yeah, Gerald's how old now? Thirty-four, thirty-five. Uh, thirty-five. I like. I still take him on bike rides in a little papoose. <laughs> um, but no, for all jokes. Well, first of all, we have a guest. We have Eric McAdam. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Eric. We didn't introduce Hi. him. We immediately went into we are experts mode without even thinking. Uh-huh. Um, well, I feel like at this point, they they gotta know who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're we're wrapping up this dog and pony show because it takes a lot of work for this to be good. Uh, yeah, we don't want to give you a bunch of half-assed shit, and we're both doing a bunch of other stuff that you can you guys can still check out. We are experts isn't going anywhere. We're just on yeah. the break until this is done. Uh, and then nor is the rest uh, of the network which will continue on oh no no I'm pulling the big plug the oh right. no uh -oh. With, yeah. with, oh. with media majors goes major casts yeah uh, sir sir Kensington sir Kensington Richmond is buying out the network to build condos oh I thought uh, you were gonna go more of like a, our funding was pulled route but this was no, no, way no. better give me that yeah, money yeah. that uh, Richington money oh well that's the thing is if 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 we can win the breakdance competition, we'll get enough money to buy out uh, Richington. And well, obviously, I nominate yeah. Tom. I um, was going to say, I also nominate Tom. And we're not going to be able to do much with that money because the second we're done recording here, us and every member of the network is going to dissipate. A la, please, Mr. Stark, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> No, wait, wait, but one person has to stay to, like, be the, the like, be the, like, solemn Avenger who's, like, mm, left behind. Yes. So I who's the one with survivor's Tom. guilt? I nominate Tom. <laughs> okay. Great. You know what? I love living and being alive. I'll take this. Deal. I was going to say Allison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, Allison probably should be the one. They're, they're, uh... They're the best. Anyway. Okay, but um, let's, this is Media Majors, a podcast about major media. My name's Liam Senior. Uh, my name is Tom Lockney. My name is Eric McAdams. You tried to introduce it before I got to say that. And each week, Tom and I would sit down and tell each other a story about a major media in our field of interest. I will talk about movies and TV. I talk about video games and internet culture, although this one's just internet today. Sorry, everybody. Uh, and and the I'm the sports always, boy. And guest is a wild card, and Eric is resident sports. Mm-hmm. We, um, we didn't come up with an order for this. 
I have I have a theme for mine that's very fitting. I I would like to go last just because I'm very proud of of what I put together. All right. Okay. Uh, Eric, do you have any preference? I don't. All right. You know what? I'll go first. Okay. Eric Sandwich. Hello, everyone. Do you know who John Green is? Yes. Okay, great. For anyone who doesn't, uh, uh, he is a YA author known for twee saccharine titles, <laughs> such as The Fault in Our Stars. Coming and out swinging, Tom. <laughs> Paper Towns. I mean, he's not wrong. I'm just They're saying. Not wrong. I, yeah, I mean, he didn't have things... to put those on there. He could have said no adjectives. I could have said no adjectives, but that's not my style, yeah. Eric. I'm colorful. I'm quite purple. Gotta gotta put this John guy on blast to start out. Know where he stands. Yeah. Well, hey, listen. Those things those things are often described negatively, but they can be good. But unfortunately, not in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. Um. However, he is also one of the internet's greatest punching bags for numerous reasons. The most valid of these is uh, the fact that he is closely tied to Patreon and often goes to bat for it when it restructures in ways that fuck over creators. Mm. That's an extremely valid reason to dislike this man. However, most of the reasons that people don't like him are invalid, but (laughs) funny. (laughs) Like the fact that he is undeniably extremely dorky he is a very dorky man again just telling it like it is i don't i don't hold this against him really but this is a reason that lots of people punch at him um this has resulted in numerous barbs dunks and owns befalling green and his brother hank but (laughs) mostly green uh but but mostly john sorry (laughs) mostly the green of the green yes you're telling her oh to greener pastures, the pastures of John. Yeah, I You're will t- say, I've heard mostly, it's funny because I've heard mostly negative stuff about John Green, but I've heard mostly positive stuff about Hank. Yeah, I, you know what it is? Is it's that Hank is the less famous brother, so people are less bothered by him. <laughs> uh, um, I just don't understand how an adult male in his 40s that writes books for teenagers could be considered dorky. Yeah, that's uh, weird. They're it's the coolest. So strange. I thought, yeah, that's what I was led to believe. Actually, mm-hmm. here's a here's a uh, not very fun fact. Uh, the reason that <laughs> okay. uh, John Green that should have been. I'm, I'm so sorry. That should have been the name of this podcast. Here's a very <laughs> not fun fact. Uh, John Green actually left Tumblr because a bunch of because uh, like at around like 2010, I want to say. Um, or maybe it might have been 2015. I might be getting my dates mixed up, but he did eventually leave Tumblr because people started a rumor that he was like sexually predating on children as a result of the books that he was writing. And he was like, you know what? I will put up with a lot of shit, but not this. That's, and he left Tumblr. that's valid. <laughs> yeah, I think he has every fucking reason to leave Tumblr over that. If was, I had any kind of fame not... and that was what was happening, that's what I'd do too. Yeah, it was very, it, I should make clear, this was very much not like somebody came forward with an accusation. This was like Tumblr fandoms being like, John Green is a pedophile, here's why, and it's because he writes these books. And he was like, fuck this. Yeah. All right, continue, um, continue on. Uh, now, I could, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but I, well, as, as I've sort of just said, uh, much of these barbs took place on uh, the beautiful, perfect website on which the Greens were most active, Tumblr. 
I could set the stage and tone of Tumblr users' approach to John Green, but if there's anything I've learned from doing this show, it's that reading other people's posts only takes you so far. So instead, I think I can capture uh, uh, to set up this Tumblr situation uh, the same tone and add to it, provide additive context with a brief little anecdote about why I personally cannot, am incapable of respecting John Green. See, John Green and I went to the same college. Oh, I, no. I don't bring it up often because I had a very traumatic experience, but today it is highly apropos. At our university, Kenyon College, there was a fixture called the Gates of Hell. I don't know why we called it this. Traditions are bizarre and meaningless and usually dictated by uh, old evil dipshits, as most were at Kenyon. College is a scam. Uh, it was just two concrete pillars, rectangular, framing a path that stretched down the middle of the campus called, uncreatively, Middle Path. In between them was a little waist-high stone divider, uh, much like the ones that you would use to prevent a car from driving where it shouldn't, uh, but it was older for horse-drawn carriages. We all peed on it. <laughs> we all constantly pissed on this thing. This was our tradition. Our tradition was to take the urine inside of our body and put it out onto the pillar. Every single person I knew peed on it. Every gender, every major, intro and extrovert alike, they peed on it. Josh it was our, uh Oh, I guarantee you he did. It was our little piss hog waiting for our spurting nectar. Okay, <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> That's like a greatest hits of things that Thomas said before. Thank That's you. like an amalgam. Yeah, yeah, I just, That's like you know, a Frankenstein of phrases. Yeah. A Voltron, it, if you will. I'm glad that you're reaching your zenith here. Yeah, yes, I mean, this is... absolutely. This is the bon voyage. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> I, expect a little bit of piss talk. Listen, this is everything. <laughs> I, we've, we've talked about uh, pedophilia accusations, piss, and, um, and I said hog. Um, now, I've repressed most of my memories from college, but I remember this pillar very distinctly. Oh, sorry, I skipped something. It had been peed on so much that the urine acidity had worn down the stone, discoloring and misshaping it. It was like, it was like we had like put decades of acid rain on this thing. Hey, Kenyon, drink more water. Yeah, um, take a fucking sip, babes. Uh, I, now, I do remember, one thing, this is one of my most cherished memories from college, is when John Green came by, because he was giving the speech at graduation, so he was in town. While he was in town, he put up a YouTube vlog, as he's wont to do, uh, going around, seeing the sights, and, oh! Oh, what's that, John? Oh! He looked at the pillar, put his hand on it, and was like, ah, the gates of hell. He gave it a loving little pat. It was explained to him what he had done, and I believe he took the coward's route and deleted the video. And that's how we all peed on John Green. Um, and that's he why- did, Wait, so he just didn't know? He just didn't know. What? Yeah, no one told the loser. I, do, I don't know how he didn't know. Cause even if he, like, why would he do that? Why would he do that? I why mean, would he? I hmm. guess so, but like- Perhaps he was and he and, it was very, I was very much a thing where he had to be informed that he had all touched RP. And it was, and, it, and this tradition had definitely continued since before gross, he was there. Gross, gross. I think, I think it was, uh, actually, I don't know how long it stretched back. I believe it was our thing. 
It was, this was a younger okay, so, oh, okay. so it might have been a tradition that happened after he was there, so he had no way of knowing. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. But that's okay. but that's sort of that. That's so that's sort a story of... about how you are a bully. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is sort of a story about how it's okay to bully John Green. This is the sort of person he is, a dork with real grievances leveled against him, shadowed by the simple human blunders he makes in life. And a piss-handed little bandit. Yes, he's bullied for it, and it's very funny, because he's incredibly wealthy and powerful, not a member of a marginalized community, and bad things pretty much can't happen to him unless the Earth were to, say, swallow him whole in a national disaster, or if I hurled him into a tanker of my urine. John, look out. Now... <laughs> The views Back to got you once, they're going to burn you again, John. It's only a matter of time before you wake up and your bed is a waterbed, only it's not water. Mm, all gonna, that condensation. Every time you drink a glass of lemonade, John, you're going to think to yourself, did, did Tom get to this? Many years ago, there was a feature Tumblr introduced where you could edit other people's posts <laughs> why why would you ever let anyone do this because i'm any... the joker like literally <laughs> yes like joaquin phoenix's fucking joker the comedy clown himself runs tumblr apparently you know there's nothing funny about a clown that loves crime and i honestly that's not that far from the truth because there was that photo op with that one tumblr employee who did wear his tie like a belt jesus christ not what ties are for easily easily one of the dumbest social media companies of all time i fucking love them a classic is the post about our classic example of this is the post about having weird nightmares about vampires as a kid that was edited to swap vampires with danny devito this was the kind of energy tumblr users were bringing to the table and then one day some clever soul possessed by a primal need to fuck with john green <laughs> an old post of his and got to work the following is what shook the site to its very core quote as I near 200,000 followers here at Fishing Boat Proceeds, I just wanted to say, cock is one of my favorite tastes. Not only that, but balls smell amazing. It makes me go a little crazy on it, to be honest. Like, I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. When I sit back on my heels, look up at you with cum all over my mouth and slobber running down my neck, hair all fucked up, and wipe my mouth with the back of my arm and ask you if I did a good job and you cannot even speak because I've drained all your energy at the tip of your dick, that's when I'm satisfied. <laughs> End quote. Wow, that, that kept going. It really did. I love that post because that is a very, like, could that be just somebody trying to be, like, homophobic towards John Green? Yes. Is it still homophobic towards John Green? Kind of, yeah. However, there is a tone and tenor here um, where I... The prose is good. The, the prose, prose is, is good. The prose is excellent, and there is a there is a tone and breadth of of um, 
knowledge here that sort of <laughs> speaks uh, uh, when you know, you know. To, to a me. real world experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was now, shortly. I got. I got here. I think you've read that on the podcast before. Have I? <laughs> I'm Great. like ninety percent positive, and I I don't care. I just I'm so. And here's why. That sounded so familiar <laughs> in your it's, voice. Like it. Uh, they might have read it to you like. At a, at a separate occasion, like Almost some other. I don't know. Just, what in, the just con- in your personal lives. I th- I am so positive that uh, in one of the Tumblr episodes, you fucking read this post. Well, okay, so I like this because this is essentially a challenge to to your 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 listeners. Like this is your last episode, right? So now they have to go find. The one episode that might exist <laughs> Man, where Tom to gets out this it quote and they well read it. It not exist. Uh, the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Ball's in their court now. That'll show oh, them. But the ball smells amazing. <laughs> it, uh, my favorite is it makes me go a little crazy on it, to be honest. That's my favorite line. The, the last sentence where you're like, surely this will end at some point, And the sentence is like, <laughs> fuck you and the horse you rode it on. That's <laughs> the best part. You have no idea what I'm doing. Wiping the bat with the back of my arm. <laughs> Pure poetry. Pure poetry. Uh, it was shortly after this incident that Tumblr removed this feature. John Green insists that this was not his doing. He actually he actually seems a little hurt by this. <laughs> he seems a little bothered that anyone would insinuate that after this post of his was edited to read like this, that he would contact Tumblr and be like, hey, can we get rid of this shitty, terrible feature? This, like, objectively bad feature that will only be used for evil? <laughs> um, he seems really bothered by the fact that the rumor exists that he did that, uh, which I guess is fair if he didn't. But, I, I mean, like, come on. Um... I choose to believe that he did. <laughs> to be honest, wouldn't blame him for doing so. Yeah. Uh, but nobody, nobody knows, and no one ever will, because Tumblr is such an obtuse, an incredibly obtuse company. Yeah. Um, and that's the story about how I peed on John Green, and then John Green peed uh, on you. Yeah. Peed on all of us. Mm, John. So okay, I, I know that we're we're still basking in the uh, afterglow of John Green, but Tom. You've just read your last story on Media Majors. How do you feel? I feel like I've just pissed and come. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that's the it's, it's, it's finally today. all out. Oh, it's all out of your release. Alrighty. Alright, I guess uh, I'll get started now. <laughs> well, well, but we're going to take a quick break, I guess, to hear about another show on the network. Do we still uh, do that? It's either at this one or after mine. We'll figure it out. Have you ever wondered what happens in the Silmarillion? What does Jenko Jean stand for? And how many people can you fit inside of one? And what the gosh darn heck are the ice capades? We found out all about that shit, so you don't have to. (laughs) I'm Liam. I'm Eric. And I'm Big Papa. Nope, he's Tom. And we're the hosts of We Are Experts, 
a show where we speculate wildly about stuff we know nothing about, only to learn what we were wrong about. Doing research, learning things, making our way in the world. And only wasting your time for half of a podcast episode. Oh, welcome to We Are Experts, the world's only short comedy podcast. Every Friday on the Major Cats Network, or wherever you find fine literature. Or podcasts. Part of why I am involved in this finale episode uh, is because I kind of muscled my way in because I knew I had a good sports story to tell. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to be on the finale because it's the only one left. And I got this I got this story and I don't know what to do with it. Well, here's here's what happened. Tom <laughs> and I both independently decided to stop doing it. And then told each other and told nobody else. And then Aaron was like, hey, when are we going to do another medium majors? I got a great story. And then we were like, oh, we're done. (laughs) And Eric was like, you guys should do a finale because I got a good one. Yeah, (laughs) you guys should. uh... Well, also, I think you should do a finale just because, you know, it's good to have an ending. Agreed. Yeah, we're going to finally learn uh, who my father is. Who the media major is. It's Hugh Grant. Tying it back together Mm. to the original pilot that no one's heard. All right. So I I introduced this a bit um, to Tom, and this is what made me realize that I needed to do a bit more backstory than I thought I would have to because they had never heard of the main character in my story. Uh, (laughs) Or at least... (laughs) No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. So my story is about George Foreman, and Tom had Uh. heard... Tom had heard of George Foreman, but I... they had only heard of George as a grill master, as okay, a wait. grill spokesman. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We... And also, because of this, they thought that Gary Coleman was a fictional character. Yes. I, there is some context here. This <laughs> no, is no, no, no. It makes total route. No, no, no. I, 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 want, I want you to know, I 100% understand why. Like, <laughs> no, I, it does. The moment you said it, I was like, it's because of the Drake and Josh episode with the Gary Coleman yeah. girls. Uh, yeah. Like, which I just think is so, like, I love how cultural osmosis works. This is oh, yeah, absolutely. Story, and I'm totally uh, taking over, so I apologize. Yeah, if you want to hear more about, Tom, about the reason why Tom thought Gary Coleman was George Foreman, why they thought uh, George Foreman was not a boxer... Uh, you should ask them about it after this because yes, <laughs> do. I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we my... have time to get into their whole story. Oh Listen. no, it's it it. I summed it up succinctly, but there's twists and turns. And Absolutely, lovers become enemies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow burn. And I learned All that right. George Foreman is dead <laughs> the whole time. He was dead the whole time. This I story this is called "The Night George Foreman Fought Five Men." Mm. Ooh. George Foreman was born on January 10th, 1949. In a he, and his, he and his six siblings grew up in Houston, Texas, and Foreman describes himself as a troubled kid. He dropped out of school at 15, moved to California, and became interested in sports. After Flipping briefly birds. trying out football, he became involved in boxing. Okay. Right. Foreman won a gold medal at the 1968 Olympics in boxing's heavyweight division. Okay, what does he want, a medal? Uh, yes. Big deal, what does he want, a medal for it? A gold one, yeah. From there, he turned pro and started winning fights. Foreman was nicknamed Big George since he stood over six foot three, and he was immediately noteworthy for his power. 
This is look okay. at that raw power. I'm sorry to bring it back to my warped perception, but this is wild to me because my I thought that Gary Coleman was supposed to be very small because of the Drake and Josh episode. Gary, Gary Coleman, Coleman is, is very small. small. Oh. Gary oh, Coleman is, is very Foreman, small. Who's a different person? This is George so Foreman. Layers to this. Who is a heavyweight boxer? So he's so he's sort of a so he's very scrappy. No, which <laughs> built like a fucking brick shit house. Wait, sorry, which were you referring to there, Tom? I don't know also, anymore. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I need I need to go through this. Gary Coleman is an actor. He was in different strips. <laughs> He is also George dead. Foreman, he is dead. George Foreman is a boxer who was not on different strokes. Yeah. Drake and Josh Ryder smoked too much cocaine and thought that it would be funny if Gary Coleman, whose name kind of sounds a little bit like George Foreman, had a grill or a panini press or a toaster or something. They have nothing to do with each other beyond that. Not at all. Not a single bit. I can't believe how fucked my brain is continue so okay so george foreman nicknamed big george (laughs) six foot three and a half all right literally made out of power okay boxer uh boxer (laughs) boxers have likened getting hit by george to getting hit by a truck have they also been hit by a truck how could they know i was thinking the same thing I may be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure one boxer was like, I got hit by a car and I got hit by George Foreman and George Foreman hit harder or something like that. <laughs> wow, that's that's downright fucking scary. So Foreman employed a zombie style of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he Eric, had a decept. Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Eric. Yes. What? <laughs> that's it. Let me, let me finish. Uh he this this man he had a very deceptively simple strategy. He, he would kind of brains. he would hold his arms kind of out in front of him instead of like guarding up like this, and so that allowed him to kind of paw at his opponent's arms and head, mm. and that would let him kind of control their punches and control their head movement. So if you know if say you want to punch a guy in the head and they're they've got their hand up to block really good idea is to bring their hand down and then punch them or if you want their head to stop moving so that you don't miss to put to put your hand next to their head and then punch them and Damn. this is what george foreman would do boxing is a fucking brutal sport yeah that's kind of the idea it's I- it's who would have thought that two men fighting each other with nothing but gloves would turn into <laughs> such chaos? Yeah. Still, because his style was unorthodox, he was seen as an unrefined brawler, despite all the wins he had racked up. By the time Foreman became a legitimate contender for the heavyweight title, he had racked up three dozen wins and no losses or draws. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, the current heavyweight, the the contemporary heavyweight title holder in 1973 was a guy named Joe Frazier. His nickname was Smokin' Joe, and Smokin' Joe had defeated some guy named Muhammad Ali in a grueling decision victory, which was called the match of the century for the belt. Now, I want everyone to think, I'm not going to make any Frazier jokes, so, like, don't fucking worry. We're not going to go on a weird bit about that, but he does have a brother named Joe Niles. I did know about Muhammad Ali, and that was through iCarly. <laughs> why, why are you learning about black athletes through Nick 
sitcoms. I have to know this. Um, I don't know, man. Nick was my channel of choice. I'm sorry, Eric. What was the context of you learning about Muhammad Ali through iCarly? Because he... I just... I feel like you do learn about Muhammad Ali through cultural osmosis. Yeah, he's a pretty, he's, a, right, you know, right. the mountain right. and the mountain and the man or whatever. It's a little that weird that you had like never heard of him man? aside. F- yeah, it's a little weird that you had never heard of him aside from this, but like, we'll roll with it. Eric, they called, they called Muhammad Ali the mountain and the man. Is yeah, that it is. They, that is not a correct <laughs> nickname. Is this in the saying go that like you gotta bring them that you can't bring Muhammad Ali to the mountain. You gotta bring the mountain to Muhammad Ali. Maybe. <laughs> I've I haven't heard it. I am fully dissociating. And listen, it could listen. That could be true. There's a been a this, lot of things said about Muhammad Ali. This yeah, is maybe a Mandela effect right. situation where I just stepped from one doorway into a different world. I swear where to God, you if all you told me that you learned about, about ne- Nelson Mandela through fucking all that or something, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> Actually, I learned about Nelson Mandela through Invictus. <laughs> I mean, that's a movie about that him. Is, that's that's not, a movie about him. That's that Eric fair. and I saw in theaters. Anyways. iCarly is not about Muhammad Ali, fun I'm fact. I'm so sorry for derailing this thing with my terrible brain. No, this was a okay. question. Uh, Frazier was a pressure fighter, shorter than uh, George Foreman, who aggressively bobbed his head to dodge punches as he worked his way inside to set up hooks. Okay. He was a he was a dead even match against Ali's outside fighting style of stinging jabs, and the first fight that they had, Frazier won a close decision. When Foreman finally got his title shot against Frazier, sports writers expected Frazier to make short work of Big George. Finally, someone would show Foreman what real boxing looked like. Scrappy Big George. Yeah. <laughs> He's well, just six foot three and slim as a bead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frazier did not succeed. Uh, Foreman's zombie style obliterated Frazier's inside pressure. Foreman knocked Frazier down six times in two rounds before he got a TKO victory. This made Foreman the heavyweight champ of the world. Go out, go Eric, I believe you mean the welderweight champion of the world. Yeah, because he's so little. He's so tiny. He's a little light guy. By the way, getting knocked down six times in two rounds is insane. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that sounds like uh, permanent brain damage to me. Oh, it, most of it is permanent brain damage, yes. Foreman had a couple of successful title defenses and seemed to be gearing up for a rematch with Frazier, but then Frazier had a rematch with Ali, and Ali won the decision this time. And that set up a match between Ali and Foreman, where Ali was considered a heavy underdog. After all, Ali had been an even match for Frazier, who had been destroyed by Foreman. How could Ali hope to compete? They fought in Kinshasa, the capital of the country known as Zaire at the time. It is now known as the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Foreman, pumped up by the press, went right after Ali, swinging powerful shot after powerful shot, and Ali kept dancing away and defending, proving much more adept at eluding Foreman's outstretched arms than Frazier had been. Would you say, Eric, that he was floating like a moth? Butterfly. (laughs) What's that? Uh, Don't worry about it. It's a kind of bug. Oh, and I learned about um, butterflies through SpongeBob. (laughs) Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Finally, it? 
Finally, in the eighth round, Ali seemed cornered and Foreman went in for the kill, pounding away at Ali's guard. What Foreman didn't realize was that he was exhausting himself, and this had been Ali's plan all along. Ali's plan came to be known as the rope-a-dope because he leaned back on the ropes. After a long stretch of punches, Foreman was breathing hard and leaned against Ali on the ropes, and that's when Ali leaned over, smirked at him, and went, Is that all you got, George? <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is Ali eight rounds in. This is this is eight rounds in with the like the toughest boxer in the world at the time. And he goes, Is that all you got, George? That's when Ali uh, did one of the greatest knockouts of all time. He unleashed a stinging combination that finally put Foreman to the canvas for the first time in his career. Stug Damn. him like a hornet? B. Fuck! <laughs> yeah, getting it wrong, Liam. Cassius Clay! <laughs> nope, Muhammad Ali. God damn it! <laughs> Uh, it's, it's honestly, I'd recommend watching that knockout because it looks like Foreman is like falling over in slow motion. It's amazing. Are any of these fights in the Will Smith movie? Uh, yeah, Ali, um, has, I think it, the climax is the rumble in the jungle, which is this, which is this fight. Dope. Uh, this win was one of the greatest of Ali's career and part of why he's seen as the greatest boxer of all time by many people. His strategy and skill had defeated a boxer that seemingly the entire sport had been afraid of. Uh, for Foreman, it was devastating. Much of his self-image had been tied up in being this kind of unstoppable beast and he had been clearly and embarrassingly put down. He describes that time as a kind of heartbroken depression, a deep spiral that a spiral that lasted a long time. He didn't oh. have a pro. <laughs> I'm yes? sorry. I'm sorry. I get that it's. I get that it's sad when you lose, but to have your entire identity be destroyed because you lost one time to mm -hmm. a guy who is considered the best boxer of all time seems like you might just be like, oh, you know what? I think I'll take this one on the chin. Yeah, you know? maybe, maybe. <laughs> be uh, but he didn't about it. He didn't, because he didn't have a pro fight for two years after that. And then he had an idea for a comeback, and it was real weird. He wanted to fight five men in one night. That's extremely sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, just like pounding man after man. Yeah. Oh, I literally, li literally, literally... Destroying the metaphor here. Literally do love to see it. <laughs> the night George Foreman fought five men took place in 1975 in Toronto. I gotta say, the night George Foreman fought five men is my favorite Johnny Cash song. Like, the, <laughs> the five men were all either current or former professional boxers. None of them were gimmies, but none of them were like true contenders either. The plan mm -hmm. was to fight them for three rounds each, one after another. The night George Foreman fought five men began as a kind of goofy spectacle, but immediately it was clear that there was something off about Big George. And that's the night George Foreman fought five men. He didn't look happy or like he was enjoying the spectacle. He looked mean. This, uh... This might have had something to do with the fact that the TV commentators were Howard Cosell and uh, Muhammad Ali. Oh my fucking god! So Ali. so so every time so every time Foreman throws a punch, Muhammad Ali is like, "Oh, I dodged that," and he's sitting next to Howard Cosell. 
Ali kept talking man in sports. I do a terrible Howard. <laughs> Ali was sitting ringside, uh, doing the commentary, and also he kept jeering at Foreman. And before That's the fighting even started, weird. they had a stare down with one another. This is why Muhammad Ali is the greatest athlete of all time. <laughs> the first man to fight Foreman was was Alonzo Johnson, a former pro who had been Ali's sparring partner. Eight Foreman... foot nine, 180 billion pounds, <laughs> scrappy as <laughs> Dense as the sun, incredibly scrappy. Better than a fucking frog tongue. Foreman started dancing like Ali during this fight in an attempt to kind of make fun of Ali. But this style didn't really work for Foreman, who was like, had never done it before. And so he missed a lot of his punches as Ali started coaching his opponent from the sidelines. Amazing. The crowd began to boo Foreman before he finally switched to his normal style and knocked Johnson down. Foreman taunted Ali while Johnson was on the ground. Yikes. So amazing. The second man to fight Foreman was Jerry Judge, a real boxer with a respectable record. Foreman had to take the match seriously as Judge landed some real shots to the head. Judge finally went down twice and Foreman was again declared the winner. Foreman came over to Judge and Judge assumed it was to congratulate him on a good fight as is fairly normal after a boxing match. Instead, Foreman began to push Judge around and make fun of him. Like, he oh, started, God. like, yeah, like, after he just knocked this guy down, like, he's he starts, like, treating him like an asshole. Is Judge, there a winner? Judge, is it, go ahead. Is there no recourse for unsportsmanlike conduct? Like, can, the, I mean, like, I guess you can't stop Judge Foreman unless you have, like, a big sword or a gun. But Judge like, then grabbed Foreman and threw him to the ground, and trainers rushed into the ring, and a fight broke out. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> a boxing match, a real fight. Boxing ring. While while the brawl happened, the crowd began to chant Ali, Ali, Ali. Jesus. Ali eventually started to lead the chants. Well, yeah. Oh my God! Greatest this is incredible. He so he he designed this thing and he humiliated himself. Oh yeah. Wow. Once the chaos cleared, they began. They brought in the third man to fight Foreman because why wouldn't they continue? Sure, Terry, sure. Why the <laughs> fuck not? This seems like it's going great for everybody. Terry Daniels, a former heavyweight contender, uh, came into the ring and Foreman dominated him. And at the end of the fight, Ali yelled, "He can whoop this these five men, but he can't. He can't whoop me." The ref stopped the fight in favor of Foreman. But Daniels thought it was unfair because he thought he could keep fighting, and another fight broke out. Oh man! This At time, oh, this time Daniels's trainer fought Foreman's trainer, and Foreman then pushed his own trainer out of the ring. Fun fact: Foreman was working with new trainers for this fight because his old trainers refused to do it. Mm. Oh man. The night Damn. George Foreman fought five men ended with Charlie Polite and Boone Kirkman in that order. Neither of them were knocked down, and they both went the distance. Foreman started to tire as he had been, hadn't been training in the last year, and Polite started to act like Ali, taunted Foreman, and did everything Ali told him to do from the sidelines. Amazing. <laughs> Wait, Foreman so he got... didn't even fucking train for this thing? What Not really. Was he was happen? He was kind of overweight and wasn't, like, super trained for it. What? Jesus oh, Christ. Wait, so he was like, what? He was like 10 pounds heavier than he had been at so his like fight what, with Ali. 185? 
Uh, 200-something. I don't know what. <laughs> this running joke will never get old. Yeah, very skinny. Very skinny, this guy. Live. Uh, Foreman got so mad that he lashed out at his own team again. Ali coached his own the, the team member as well. He told like taught him how to like shell up while Foreman lashed out at him. The crowd continued to boo Foreman. He clearly had thought that they would root for him because he was the underdog against five different men in a row. Instead, they rooted for the weaker opponents to hit him because he came off as this kind of big bully. Because he was. Finally, finally, Foreman finished the last fight, exhausted but celebrating his victory. Ready to gloat, he turned to the sidelines to once again jeer at Ali. Ali had left. He had another event to get to that evening. So ended the night George Foreman fought five men. Wow. I love it so much. Yeah, it's the it's like it's the saddest thing you've ever seen in your life. That's Very a total good. fucking disaster. Damn. Foreman would fight only a few more fights before he retired in 1977, too depressed to continue. He would stay away from boxing until he found God, became an ordained minister, and got married. With guys, a new, guys, with a he's new... been here the whole time. <laughs> with a new positive outlook on life, he returned to the ring in the late 80s and eventually became the heavyweight champion again at the age of 45. Jesus. Wow. Jesus. He Christ. also became a spokesman for a line of fat reducing grills, making millions of dollars off that. He has 12 children from current and previous marriages. Every one of his sons is named George Edward Foreman, and one of his daughters is named Georgetta. Not Georgina? Georgetta. Georgetta. All right. Like uh, like the car. Cool. Like the car. And that's the end of my story. That's incredible. Yes, for everyone listening, the the Drake and Josh connection is because they had a Gary Coleman grill thing. And so I got the two confused because they were both grill people. Mm-hmm. That's Except, a good story. Again, I just, I cannot stress this enough. Gary Coleman, not a grill person. That was just for the show. Yeah. Also not a boxer. Not no. no relation. And if he was a boxer, he wouldn't have been a heavyweight. <laughs> Eric, you just told your last media major story. How yeah. did you feel? Handful. Yeah, I've, that's like, what, my eighth? Something like that. Maybe. How was it? For, was it good for it you? Like? It was pretty good. I mean, I haven't done this a hundred and however many times. That's true. 130 something. All right. You guys ready? This is it. Last yeah. story of any media majors. This is it. Never regret thy fall, O Icarus of the fearless flight. <laughs> for the greatest tragedy of them all is never to feel the burning light. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Jeremy Renner was born in Modesto. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! Media Major is finally killed by Jeremy oh. Renner. <laughs> to Mother Valerie and Father Lee, a Modesto, who was uh, parents ma- uh, managed a Modesto bowling alley in the 80s. They divorced when he was 10, and he is the oldest of seven siblings, which means the youngest runner is the seventh son, and possibly of the seventh son, so he may be a witch slayer. Or dragon slayer? Wow. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Seventh son of a seventh son. Renner graduated Then he, does, then he from, does that weird, like, singing thing he does. It's such a good movie. Uh, took a bus home to see it with my father on Valentine's Day. Wow. Seventh That's son? beautiful. Uh, yeah. Huh. Uh, Renner graduated from Fred C. Byer High School in Modesto in 89. He attended Modesto Junior College, where he studied computer science and criminology. 
before he took a drama class as an elective and decided to pursue acting. Renner made his film debut as an underachieving student in the 1995 comedy National Lampoon's Senior Trip. Although the film was critically panned, he went on to guest star on two television shows, Deadly Game and Strange Luck, had a minor role in a, a TV movie called A Friend's Betrayal, and had guest roles in a bunch of different shows, including Angel, and a small role in a CSI episode in 2001. He worked as a makeup artist during this time to help make ends meet. Hmm. It wasn't until around 2009 when he achieved critical acclaim for his portrayal of a bomb disposal expert in The Hurt Locker, directed by mm. Catherine Bigelow, who owns Bones. Uh, he got an Academy Award nomination, and as well as a SAG nomination, which is a dumb award. In 2010, Renner uh, got a performance, got a performance, he got one, in Ben Affleck's The Town, which was another... Uh, his second Academy Award nomination. Oh, I fucking hate the town. And he became an A-lister, also grabbing the role of Hawkeye, making him a bonafide star. He tr- he is set to take over two different franchises. Can you guess the two franchises that he was set to take over? Hawk and I. Wrong. Are we still? Are we still? Uh, does would Born count for this? Yes, that's one of them. What's the other one? Oh fuck. Um, oh, was it Mission Impossible? Yes, he. the reason he is in Mission Impossible 4 is before they brought in Christopher McQuarrie, it was going to be like a passing of the baton oh to Jeremy my Renner. God. They bring on Christopher McQuarrie and he says, okay, well, the first thing you have to do is this is a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he directed the next two. Anyways, uh, I just think that's very funny. Um, but luckily he had a franchise under his belt with Hawkeye. He appeared in like, a lot. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a lot, and like a significant amount of the last one. Uh, A-list. Yeah, he's he's fucking he's the star. worst part of the last one. Truly. Huge star. He's He fucking can like do a movie like Tag, which is crazy. <laughs> wow, Tag. both of his arms. Weird. Um, so Jamie Renner has also, he's a... He's been having a crazy 2019, specifically the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jamie Renner has been playing music for a while. It's on his website, which huh. like hasn't been updated in a while. Uh, and he now has enough acting clout and too much money where he can use that uh, power to make, let's say, a really bad Jeep commercial where he drives through the Dust Bowls to catch a concert that he plays in singing one of his songs that he leaked on June 26 in a 21 second video of him singing in a vocal booth that is god awful because the man is not a good singer have you guys seen the jeep commercial i've not seen the jeep commercial nor actually heard him perform music ever in any capacity the jeep commercial you go what is happening because this is jeremy (laughs) renner and he's like in a he's and it's a car commercial so you're like all right and the, a song is playing and you're thinking well this is probably his song but that's like all they're gonna do all of a sudden he's playing it in like a star is born-esque stadium mm-hmm. it, it's just uh it's so fucking much so through this new commercial and his his twitter upload of his music people also discovered that there is a jeremy renner app it's been around since 2017 it was by a company called like a special x that makes apps for famous mm-hmm. people amber rose has one other people yeah i would them. i would assume it's something like that yeah that doesn't surprise me at all 
from what I read and sources I read about it, it was for Jeremy Renner fans, not Hawkeye fans. Like, people were there for Jeremy Renner. Yeah, for mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner. For uh, Jeremy. He would post about what he did that day and his lyrics, and uh, it had a lot of typical fan base problems, a lot of bullying, a lot mm-hmm. of dem- like mean stuff towards Jeremy Renner, demanding he apologized for stuff. It was just, like, not a great place. But when did so when did you say it like launched? March of 2017. And yeah, I was gonna say because I've actually I before like the Renner app kind of hit the wider discourse or whatever. When the when the I had, commercial I had, hit, I had heard I had like read a thing about the Renner app like a year and a half ago because yeah. it was it is not the first time they've encountered like issues with. Yeah, the fan base. I knew about it for a very long time because one of all of our mutual friends, Jill, <laughs> likes Jeremy Renner, and and was uh, she on the app? Uh, she she did download it briefly, I believe, a long time ago, and encouraged me to do so as well. I did and went, "This sucks," and left. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, was... wait. You downloaded the app? I yeah, because she told she was like, "You should download the app," and I was like. You're my friend. I'll do, I do. I, I trust you. Yeah, I do nice things for my friends. And then I looked at it God. and I was like, I just don't give a shit about Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I you? cannot. I cannot get you to watch the documentaries I try to get you to watch, Tom. And you downloaded the Jeremy Renner app. Listen, Jeremy Renner app took two seconds to download and less time to delete documentaries oh are often God. hours or two hours long yeah but they're good <laughs> <laughs> that's my argument you, eric you yes. had the jeremy renner app on your phone i did i looked at it it was why is every episode a journey into your brain <laughs> <laughs> it's fundamentally warped me like doing this podcast mm-hmm. like i'm not a big believer in auteur theory but i guess i am now for podcasts yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so during the relaunch weird twitter specifically stefan heck who's a really great uh twitter person i read this article uh, yeah i was gonna say you should everyone should read the article on deadspin about it he joined the app and discovered a very strange detail. Jeremy Renner hates pornography. Uh, Heck <laughs> mentioned in a comment that he was going to look in some porno, and Jeremy Renner called him out saying, nasty, not cool. Um, so th- to, be, I would... to be, I believe to be clear, uh, Stefan Heck responded to a picture that Jeremy Renner had posted where Jerry Renner was like, what's the move this weekend? And Stefan Heck was like, gonna jerk off to some porn. <laughs> and Jerry Renner replied with nasty. Oh yeah, porno. And <laughs> what's the title of this article, Liam? Out of curiosity? I broke the official Jeremy Renner app by posting the word porno on it by Stefan Heck. <laughs> Uh, tale as old as time. Mm. Uh, but yeah, essentially he kept posting different ways to get the word porno in it. Uh, there was one where the background just said no porno, no porno, no porno, but in a way where it just looked like porno, no porno, no porno. It, it, it's mm-hmm. very funny. And he busted the app. It just like was too much. People were trying to join on it to, to you know, we, you know how weird Twitter mob works. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. app was busted. And as all things do, as all great things must, <laughs> the app not comes. unlike not unlike a certain podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going for. You know, make the subtext text. It's fun. Yeah. But all things must come to an end. Icarus flies too close to the sun and melts his stupid wings off. On Wednesday, September 4th, 2019, Jeremy Renner shut down the official Jeremy Renner app. In a statement, Renner wrote, the app has literally jumped the shark. After clever individuals found ways to manipulate the app, I asked EscapeX to shut it down and refund money to anyone who has recently purchased stars, which I think are like the currency. Yo, it is like, that that actually is something about the Jeremy Renner app that I legitimately was bothered by because it is deeply exploitative. You buy these stars and they basically don't do anything. They're just like a social currency for the app itself. Yep. What was supposed to be a place for fans to connect with each other has turned into a place that is everything. Well, it was a place for fans to worship Jeremy Renner. That was his statement, the end of his statement. Uh Uh-huh. And that's how Jeremy Renner's beautiful app that apparently looked like a Facebook page circa 2008. It really did. Was shut down by staunch anti-pornography views. Well, yeah, because it's... Like, it's obviously, like, to go, ba- to go back to the social currency, like, the currency is, like, how much you love Jeremy Renner, right? Like, yeah. I gave yeah, him this like much that. money. Like, that's what it means. Like, I love Jeremy Renner so much, I'm bleeding out my wallet for him. I think Gross. I have a theory, and it's that Jeremy Renner is occupies the exact same... It's not a theory, actually. This is a fact. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Renner Hard-hitting journalism. The exact... <laughs> same space in my mind as Mark Wahlberg where it's like literally the most mediocre yeah, uh, like, white guy like, actor who like has five, like five eight muscular dudes with like that face yeah but only yeah. one of them has like done racist stuff to Vietnam. Well, people. yeah, that's the thing. True. Is is there a slight difference because Mark Wahlberg is is hate crime in a can and uh but Jeremy Renner is like that but for hyper capitalism where he started an app solely for people to give him money. He's a fu- I mean Eric you stressed this to me. He's a fucking partnership with Amazon. With he Amazon. Sure does. Yeah. yeah. He has his own fucking Amazon storefront. We should put him in prison. <laughs> We really should. <laughs> Listen, I'm now. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, the complex, the complex moral code of the abolitionist. When I, yeah, but, when I when I first when I first saw that, I was like half hoping that they were like his products that he was selling. Like he had like made compound bows or whatever. Yep. But it's just like a collection of stuff that's like vaguely related to his brand. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is. He will Type be like appearing he will be appearing as Hawkeye in the Marvel TV show Hawkeye. He's finally getting his Punisher. Oh, you know, that's, you know that's something he said. That's something he really wanted when Punisher came out. He was like, "I want that for Hawkeye." Yeah, Punisher. They focus more on Kate Bishop. That's it. I feel nothing. <laughs> as I finish my last media major story, I would just like to say thank you to all the listeners. Yeah, uh, I'd like to say good night. Good luck, and make sure to check out the Hard Times podcast every Thursday, wherever <laughs> podcasts are. Ha cha cha! The entire Hard Times podcast network is great. Also, the entire Major Cast network, which will yes. be continuing. Yes. Right. Right. Don't <laughs> unplug this. Keep yeah. this plugged in. Write that down. Also, um, give money to us on Patreon for the yes. first time in like. In the, in the entire network history, a couple months ago, we started paying 
the web hosting bill with the Patreon money. Yeah. Which has been great. Um, I was thinking instead of self-care corner, I want to go out on something bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's a little lame, but I'm genuinely curious. Eric, you can take your time because this might be harder for you. Because uh, I've got mine locked and ready to go. Tom, what was your favorite episode that we've done? And maybe if you want, you can pick a favorite story, but I've got I've got one ready hmm. to go. Are we doing this of our own or? No, just, just any anything. story. Any story you've heard, anyone you've told. Um, uh, you know which one I had the most fun with was um, the Tide Pods one. Oh, that was great. I enjoyed, uh, and that was also just very nice because that was like right after we'd moved to California. That was a good one. Uh, my favorite episode, the best episode I think we did, is uh, the Donald Duck and the uh, Ojoy sex toy. Oh episode. yeah! I think I think that was one of the best ones. It's one of our highest rated ones, and I think mm. it's, I think it's pretty great. Um, I remember, I do remember really liking the episode that you guys did on porn. Which one? We've done a couple. Oh, the, what was it, like the 50th episode special? Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. Like that? Oh, that yeah, one. I was drunk for that one. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. I think I think the best story I've ever told on here was the one about Akebono and Sumo. Oh, yeah, yeah no fucking question. That was Either that the one you the just one told, Eric, pittance. Pittance yeah, in terrible comparison. in comparison. It's either that or the one about the, the semen elixir. That was great. Oh, God. When I did a Charles Manson story and didn't tell Tom it was a Charles Manson story until the last, like, eight words. Pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Before everyone else started being, like, it's Manson. <laughs> Fucking guy. I'm trying um, to think of what the best story I told is. Probably Fitzcarraldo, because I broke Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I told I told Tom a story that involved Werner Herzog when I took over from you. For that one episode you gotta always do Werner and uh, I also just want to say there's there are so many stories that I wish I could do and the one that I just always think at the top of my head is when Tom Cruise went on Oprah and nearly ruined his like entire career oh yeah. right just because he acted pretty weird just literally just because he was kind of excited yeah the celebrities the world of celebrities was a different time back then yeah really if if you uh, if you like movie podcasts, guess what? There's so many of them on the internet, so you're good to go. If you, you like movie podcasts, some. you should listen to the filmographers. A lot of work goes into that show, and it's very good. Is that it? I believe it is. We've done it. We've done the damn thing. You're free of the curse. Ah, <laughs> oh, the gates have opened. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you can ascend. The murderer was me. Yeah, it was Tom. I killed them. All of them? All of them. I did it with my bare hands. Oh. I just like the feel of skin. If you want bullshit like this, check out We Are Experts, which is the show that we'll continue to do on the network. And as always, we were there for you. We were. It's in the past tense. Aww. Aww. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.